0: hi and welcome back to nfl game time podcast with your hosts. i'm alex Rubenson. and i'm shy the nfl draft has come and gone this edition we're going to break down the afc division by division what picks we are high on what picks we may have taken a different direction all that and more we're going to obviously talk about each team's first pick while also highlighting some of our favorite later round picks as well so Shy, let's jump right into it because it's game time. So Shy, we're going to start with the AFC South and the team that held the number 1 overall pick. And you know, as much as we like, you know, uncertainty and anticipation for the draft, the Jaguars did not have any of that picking at number 1 overall as they took Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback uh now formerly of Clemson. This obviously was no surprise, and now it's just a matter of what Jacksonville can do to support their potential franchise signal caller.
1: Right, yeah. When I look at Jacksonville's draft, it really starts at pick 25, and they had two second-round picks um, as well. So they had the the resources to supplement um, what they got in probably a generational talent in Trevor Lawrence. So I think we both uh, are, are pretty happy with, with, with what they did at that first overall pick, Alex. But I think the pick that I kind of took issue with here was their second first-round pick, going running back, Travis Etienne out of Clemson, reuniting Lawrence with his teammate. And I, although Etienne has the burst, he has the speed, um, I think probably both of our second-best running back in the draft You're talking about a running back, as well as the fact that you have James Robinson there, who's coming off a good season. You've got issues to fill on the offensive line to protect your young quarterback. You can you have so many holes on that defense, especially in the secondary, and then you go running back, and it's not even the best running back um, in the draft, in, in my opinion. I know the Steelers, you know, took Najee Harris off the board. We'll talk about that later, but even then I just this pick puzzles me, Alex.
0: Yeah, and I we obviously were uh we were zooming uh during the draft and I feel like you're when you said you you did not like this pick, I feel like at least your by your reaction on draft night that, that was putting it lightly as you were surprised, I think I was surprised. And I think you kinda of summed uh that pick up very well and how they kinda of did it again with some of their second round picks too but I would have loved to see Jacksonville take a Tevin Jenkins or even a Liam Eikenberg you have Cam Robinson on one side of the line this Jacksonville offensive line is very suspect though I do not have that much confidence in you know in really anyone outside I'm okay with Cam Robinson I think he can be a serviceable NFL offensive tackle but the rest of the offensive line, I think, is filled with question marks. I don't. I think Walker Little can develop into a good tackle, but I still think he's a couple years away and needs a lot of developing. So, and, and that's, again, as you alluded to, the Jaguars have a ton of holes. And obviously, you do not draft for need. But I think, again, when you're picking in the first round, you need to support your quarterback or at least take a player at a premium position. Jacksonville did not do that here. Obviously we both love the Trevor Lawrence selection, but I feel like more so of Lawrence's talent and and ability coming out of college, it's gonna kind of fall upon Urban Meyer and company in terms of how are they gonna build a team around Trevor Lawrence, because I think as we've seen with players like, you know, David Carr or, you know, Ryan Tannehill when he was in Miami, quarterbacks need especially coming into the league they need a good supporting cast, whether that's at the receiver position, but more specifically the offensive line. So look, I think Lawrence, he's going to, I think just because of how great of a prospect and talent he is, I think he's definitely going to have some success, even in his rookie season. But I'm worried to see, you know, what that ceiling is, given the lack of talent Jacksonville has. And I'm worried that could this be another Sam Darnold situation where the quarterback talent was there? But the front office failed to build a team around him. Obviously, I don't think we're at that the Sam Donald point yet with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Trevor Lawrence hasn't taken a snap, you know, in preseason, let alone a meaningful regular season snap. But I do think over these next, you know, one to two years, the draft, free agency, Jacksonville has to fill some premium positions, and and just build a a team around Lawrence that can. Kind of allow Lawrence to do his thing, not not put too much pressure on his shoulders, not feel, and Lawrence won't have to feel like, you know, he has to do everything, and he won't have to do too much, because as we've seen, that can really set a quarterback back, and that's a hole that they can really struggle to climb out of.
1: Absolutely, and I think um, looking at some of the picks across their class, um, you see guys like, you know, Tyson Campbell there. First pick of the second round, I I think the the going with a corner makes some sense to me, but I think there are better options
0: available. Asante uh, Samuel, I would have preferred uh, Asante, Asante, Asante Samuel, Samuel. Comes to mind. He's more he's more of a salt a smaller cornerback, uh, but I probably would have preferred Asante Samuel. He's my he's my best quarterback remaining at that point in the draft.
1: It's about te- you know I think going with Tyson Campbell, getting a lengthy guy. You know, a little bit rawer, but he has the measurables, but I think you've got to go technique um, over over the size and, and the measurables any day. And then Walker Little was a little bit puzzling, especially considering his injury history um, and the fact that he's likely not going to be a guy who can come in and, and start right away on the offensive line. Um, and then, I mean, they do have Brandon Linder at center, so I think that is uh, a nice veteran uh presence, I believe he was an all-pro last year, um, they can rely on, but um, they, they, they definitely need to address uh, the offensive line, and I am concerned a little bit in that area, so hopefully Trevor Lawrence will be able to uh, develop this season uh, with the talent that he has around him.
0: I'll just kind of last on Jacksonville, uh, Jordan Smith in the fourth. I think he's a guy who has a lot of potential and, if developed correctly, uh, can possibly prove to be a really good value there in the fourth round. So I like the Jordan Smith pick. I think he has a lot of potential there. And hopefully Jacksonville can coach him up with all of the rest of the rookies and young players on the roster to really get the best out of these young men. So shy. Let's now go to the Indianapolis Colts. Colts obviously picking at twenty-one with their first round pick. They took pay. They were obviously thrilled to see him still on the board. And again, I feel like you know, Chris Ballard has been one of my favorite general managers since since he took over the Colts. But I feel like there's kind of this always been this one gaping hole you know, at outside linebacker slash defensive end. You know, they tried Justin Houston. He was fine, solid, serviceable. But, you know, they haven't had that impact edge rusher. And now you pair a guy like Pei to go with DeForest Buckner, who's going to have, obviously, an incredible presence on the interior of the defensive line. I thought this was just a rock-solid pick for the Colts. Really solid value. This is the range that I thought was appropriate for Quiddy Pei. And Pei, you know... Obviously, talent-wise, measurable-wise, he has it all. It's going to be up to the Colts coaching staff to get the most out of him. And again, I really like what the Colts do from a front office perspective and a coaching perspective. That it, one of the teams that I think can get the most out of Quay Pay or any one of those, you know, raider prospect, I think is the Indianapolis Colts.
1: This is a situation where I really love the player, but I'm not overjoyed with the pick and the fit. I think Quiddy Pay is a run stuffer. He is probably the best run defender in the draft. He comes from a very good system. He's a freak athlete, a guy who they can develop behind some of the vets on the, on the um, Colts defensive line turn into that alpha um, at the edge position that they so desperately need. However, who's going to play left tackle, Alex? Well, uh, they, Anthony Costanzo's not there.
0: They signed Eric Fisher, so he's going to miss the first eight games or so. So that definitely is a concern. And I mean, I get, I get not taking one in in the first round, but you know, looking through their entire draft, they didn't take one until the seventh round. Well, you're mainly going to be finding more developmental prospects, guys who aren't going to be starting right away. So I think Fisher's going to come in eventually, uh, but it will be kind of a mystery of how they piece together uh, the left tackle spot or the right tackle spot if they decide to move Braden Smith, Braden Smith to left tackle, which I could see them doing again for the first half of, of the 2021 season.
1: Yeah, I just think when you have a guy like Carson Wentz and the Colts' objective this season, uh, this offseason, in my opinion, should be to make him comfortable, surround him with as much pieces. You know, especially in the offensive line, where where they have a strength, and I think if you have Anthony Costanzo leaving, a solid veteran presence there, you need to fill it. And I I know that they that they signed uh Fisher to be there, but again, just the suspension as you mentioned, and then also the fact that he's had some struggles over his career as well. So I I would. Of like them to go with Dara Sada really come in and solidify that uh, position on the offensive line, that blind side, not have to worry about moving Braden Smith over to left tackle, or maybe a Tevin Jenkins, and you do move Braden Smith over. But I, I think, I, or even maybe a guy like Liam Eichenberg, who's, I don't know if I'd love him in the first round or maybe a late first round guy. It would have been a little bit of a reach. But I think they, this is a team that should have prioritized that tackle position. I do really love the player for getting in Quidipay, and I don't mind it at all. But this is a pick where I'm kind of thinking B to B+, plus because of, of how much I think tackle would have been a position to go. And the, especially the fact that they did not address that, really until you know the seventh round, as you said, concerns me.
0: Yeah, and it's definitely something to watch out for, as Anthony Cassano. Even through those years when the cost-offensive line was putrid, Cassandra did seem to be kind of rock solid and be a steady piece among uh, a catastrophe that the Colts team was uh, kind of around Andrew Luck. You know, the Colts were pretty bad, just with a great quarterback. And then obviously, you know, Quinn Nelson came, Brandon Smith came via the draft, and the Colts built a very good team around Andrew Luck. And now obviously, uh, you know, Kobe Brissett, Phillip Rivers, and now Carson Wentz. So let's now move to the third team in the AFC South, that being the Tennessee Titans, the team picking right behind the Colts in the first round. They took Caleb Farley, and I really liked this pick. I really loved the Farley pick. Remember, he had some back issues, which is nothing to kind of breeze by. That's definitely noteworthy. But before he had that second back procedure, Many, you know, it seemed like he could have snuck into the top 10. So I think getting him at 22 is well worth the risk. Again, premium position, you know, that's a check. Holders, in my mind, one of a top, kind of in the top four of, you know, most valuable positions in the NFL. Again, you don't draft for need, but it does feel good when need and value meet, which it did here. You, you know, you parted ways with Adoree Jackson. You parted ways with Malcolm Butler. Now you get a guy like Caleb Farley, who obviously has all the talent and intangibles to be a number one corner at the next level. It obviously will be interesting to see if the back ends up being a long term issue, as that's again definitely something that I think we need to have our eyes on. But you know, if he can stay healthy, and if it ends up not, and if that back is not a long term issue. I think we could be looking back, and I think this could be one of the bigger steals, uh, maybe even in the entire draft, but especially the first round.
1: I think this is, you know, Caleb Farley is a guy where I think there's an 80% chance that he comes in and he can be potentially a top 10 player in this draft. But then there's a 20% chance that his back, you know, there are lingering issues there, and... The first round pick is almost thrown out the window. And that's always really concerns teams. I don't mind Tennessee taking a shot at Caleb Farley. I don't mind at all.
0: I think the, I think back. at twenty two the risk is worth it.
1: I think I think that's probably right. And I you know, if they would have gone with a guy like Greg Newsom here, which is maybe, you know, some, a guy who I would have gone with, I'm a little bit higher I think on Newsom than you are. But I think I would have been happy with, with that pick as well corner was a need but i think you know considering how competitive tennessee has was been you know was last year and how competitive they're likely to be this year taking a shot on a guy who could come in and be kind of that alpha that number one corner um immediately if he's healthy makes a lot of sense to me and then you know addressing that secondary again in the third round with elijah molden out of washington i thought that
0: was i thought that was a great pick. pick It was a compensatory third. Again, he's probably going to be more maybe of a slot corner. But hey, third round, I thought that was very, very good value. I really did like Tennessee's draft. Obviously, the molden pick in the third. But I think Dylan Radnuns, I thought second round, kind of later second round, I thought was really solid value. Especially after last year's debacle of Isaiah Wilson. It kind of had that hole at one of the tackle spots. That's now filled with Radnans and then uh and then even Monty Rice it may have been a little high but still back into the third I thought that was really solid value so I really did like Tennessee's draft I think you know they picked guys at valuable positions got really good value and again hey hey was the Farley pick a bit of a risk a, a bit of a risk sure but on the bright side can't really go worse than last year's first round pick
1: I think that's certainly true. The the the, the Titans went. Uh, they seem to draft a lot of uh, BPA here, and I, I like how it turned out. I if I was grading them, I'd probably give them an A minus. I would think they improved on both sides of the ball. And um, if this secondary comes together for Tennessee, this team is going to be really scary, Alex. That's all I'll say.
0: Right. Yeah. No. It, I I think it will come because the secondary. You know. It was always a bit of a question mark, and now you parted with your top two corners in Jackson and Butler, so you're relying on a lot of youth and inexperience there, which is a risk, but again, both Molden and Farley have the talent to be two really solid cornerbacks, especially Farley, I think can be a shutdown you know, number one corner if he can reach his potential and be able to stay on the field. So, Shy, let's wrap up the AFC South, going to the team that they didn't have a first-round pick. They didn't even have a second-round pick. That being the Houston Texans. I Look, for a team that didn't pick until the third round and then only had five picks in the entire draft, I actually thought they had a decent draft. I thought they drafted, you know, okay. Uh, Davis Mills, obviously, that kind of was the pick leading the way because there's obviously a bunch of, you know, questions with Deshaun Watson. Will he be traded? Will he be on the commissioner's exempt list? But I thought again, top of the third, we are hearing a lot of buzz about Mills. You know, when we were entering day two, it was looking like he could have, you know, been a mid second. So I think top end of the third guy with a lot of potential. Uh if some if Watson does, if the Texans do move on from Watson, he can sit behind a guy like Terod Taylor. Taylor, obviously an experienced quarterback, doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, which I think could be really beneficial from a guy like Mills, who, again, Mills' ton of talent, could not stay on the field at all at Stanford. So again, he possesses a lot of traits that could translate really well into the NFL, and I think learning from a guy like Taylor could be really beneficial from him. And then Nico Collins and Brevin Jordan, Collins in the fifth, Jordan in the fifth, or so Collins in the third, Jordan in the fifth, I thought was two uh, really good value, value picks. So again, Houston, they didn't have much to work with, but I thought Nick Cassero had a pretty nice uh, draft as a first-time GM, especially given the cards he was he had to play with. And those cards were uh, pretty, pretty bad.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I do uh, really like what the, the Houston Texans did here. I'm a fan of... of Davis Mills, uh, I think he has, you know, the accuracy is there to potentially turn into a guy who can come in and be a developmental starter, um, especially learning behind Gerard Taylor, as you mentioned. So I do like that at the top of the third, Nico Collins um, and Revan Jordan, again, are, as you said, two very good BPA picks, value picks. I would have liked to see them go defense, if one of these, you know, their top three picks, I think that's really going to be um, where, where their weak link is going to lie, despite the fact that we don't this know who's going to play quarterback for the next say this, year.
0: This team has so many holes that they really just had to go best player available, regardless of position. And again, right. they had almost no resources to work with. So I think given the circumstances that Nick Casario and company had to deal with, I thought they made out pretty well.
1: Yeah, I, I, I certainly agree. And Nico Collins, I think is the guy, you know, when healthy, it could be uh a potential I don't wanna compare him to DeAndre Hopkins, but the way he can high point the ball and go up and get it is, you know, almost D Hop esque if he's developed correctly. So I I do uh I do really like that pick for them.
0: So in other words, Shai thinks Nico Collins will be DeAndre Hopkins one day. Good to know, Shai.
1: <laughs> I, I, I mean, if you, if you insist, uh, Allen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> your, your words, not mine. Um. So, Shai, now let's go to different division. The team that held two first-round picks, including the number two overall pick, that being the New York Jets, they also went quarterback at the top of the draft, drafting BYU signal caller Zach Wilson, a guy who obviously tons of arm talent Looked great last year at BYU, but coming into this past season, he was really an unknown commodity, and there was even some question marks of, you know, would he hold the starting job for every game? So, obviously, a complete out-of-the-blue breakout year for Wilson, but I have a lot of concerns. Uh, You know, they draft, I really loved the Elijah Moore pick at the beginning of the second, Vera Tucker uh, later in the first, they trade up for him. So it seems like Joe Douglas is building around Wilson, which uh, Mike McCagnan failed to do with Darnold. But I just think there are a lot of question marks with Wilson. I do not—it's looking like he's going to start Week 1, and I think that's a dangerous game.
1: I absolutely agree, Alex. I think Zach Wilson is a player that should not start his rookie year. And I know that seems kind of insane— the you know, number one, two pick in the draft. Like, what are you talking about? No, this is Zach Wilson has the highest upside in this draft, but it needs to be developed. You you know he has the arm talent. You know he he's got you know the legs to make it happen. It's it's just about making sure you develop not only his game, but getting the pieces there on the offensive line and in the in the and the in the receiving core to compliment him, to give him something to work with. If you put him in the same situation as Sam Darnold and don't give him time to develop, Sam Darnold being a guy who was also a little bit on the rawer side, maybe not quite as raw, and maybe didn't have the same upside as Wilson, but I think we could see something different. So I am a little concerned. Because if they would have taken a guy like Justin Fields, who obviously didn't go till um, 11, where the Bears traded up, I think I would have been a little less concerned because Fields is more of a a day one starter who played better competition um, at at a bigger school. I I would have been a, a little bit uh, less uneasy if, if I was the New York Jets. I do really like the pick. It just I hope they can surround him with talent, and I think getting Elijah Vera Tucker is a very good start.
0: Well, I mean, this team is already much better than last year, especially in offense. They signed Corey Davis, they drafted Elijah Moore, they drafted Elijah Vera Tucker. This offensive line is starting to come along, slowly but surely. Uh, Joe Douglas is putting together what should be just a more promising offensive line. Obviously, with now Beckton and Vera Tucker protecting Wilson's blind side. And from a receiving core standpoint, you have Crowder, you have Mims, and now you add Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. This Jets offense just should be better all around, but believe it or not, Chai, was it a mistake to let Joe Flacco walk? You know, I know Flacco might not have it anymore, and obviously he's a shell of his former self when he was with Baltimore, but I feel like having, kind of throwing Flacco out to the Wolves instead of Wilson would really help, you know, seeing, A, how just a veteran handles himself in New York, you know, f- Wilson's never had all this pressure even at BYU you know BYU is not Alabama where cameras are constantly in your face so I I'm I'm more nervous for Wilson than I am with Lawrence just in terms of getting accustomed to the speed of the game and look I think actually I'm not going to go as far and say it was a mistake but I think it would have been really beneficial for Wilson's development if maybe even a guy like Joe Flacco was still there a guy who's really done it all. He's won a Super Bowl. He's also (laughs) been replaced. Flacco's kind of that been there, done that, been in every situation across the league. I think that would have been I think that would have really helped Wilson, especially in really the toughest media market and that being New York.
1: I I think uh we we kind of agree there absolutely. I just wanna throw out two um picks that I really loved and that's a lot. Elijah Moore in the second. I think he's by far the best slot receiver in this draft, one of the best route runners in this draft. Um, combining him with Corey Davis and Denzel Mims and um, Crowder. Learning behind Jamison Crowder. it's good. You have some weapons there, certainly, um, for whoever's going to start a quarterback for the New York Jets. And then Michael Carter in the fourth. I think this shows why
0: i I'm, like I'm assuming I mean Florida. I'm I'm assuming you mean oh I guess you said the fourth, but I'm assuming you mean the running back, Michael Carter.
1: Yes. The yeah. The running the running back uh Michael Carter in the fourth round out um, of North Carolina. And I think this really shows why teams like uh Pittsburgh or Jacksonville that took running backs so high should wait because there is a value down the board. And Michael Carter is a phenomenal player, Alex. And maybe he's not quite the same level as a Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, but he has some of those intangibles to come in and play running back. Running back is a replaceable position, but I think this shows like you can get a guy in the fourth round who is going to make maybe not as great of an impact, but a rotational guy to start who could potentially become the bell cow there in New York um, who possesses a lot of talent. I think... To get a guy like that in the fourth round is is really tremendous. So I think I think we'll be seeing a, a, a big role for him in the in the Jets' offense, and a lesson could be learned for teams like Pittsburgh or Jacksonville.
0: So I see obviously as a Giants fan, I fully witnessed them taking Saquon at number two overall. So I see me lecturing you on the lack of lack of value in running backs has finally paid off. I, I see you've come around fully, Shai.
1: Yes, I, I've, you know, you you've been you've been harping on it for a long time, and I've, you know, picked it up. I think you know I think was pretty good about it. Maybe in the last like probably maybe a season after the Giants took Saquon, I was I was with you on that. Uh, I didn't take too long to come around, but yeah. yes, I definitely. But now hold
0: now you've really come full. Now you've really come around though, fully at least. You
1: yeah, have least. to ex- really experience it to, to
0: <laughs> experience you know. the heartbreak of your team taking a running back. To really understand where the opposing side is coming from. Right. So, now let's go to another AFC East team that spent their first round pick on a quarterback. And that being the New England Patriots. Who would have thought we would see the day for the Patriots would have to take a quarterback in the first round. As they took Mac Jones. And I really thought this was a really nice pick. I I like Jones. I like Jones coming out of college. I know he had a ton to work with at Alabama, but we also forget that for most of his record-breaking or, or great, not I guess maybe not record-breaking, but for most of that great senior season that he had this past year, Jalen Waddle was out most of the year. Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs were in the NFL. Judrick Wills was in the NFL. So he had less to work with than Tua did. I'd say Joe Burrow had more to work with during his year, at LSU than Mac Jones So I, I think like some of Yes he had Devontae Smith And he had very good protection up front But I also feel like There were quarterbacks taken You know in the last few years that had more to work with That at least I don't think we made a bigger deal out of So I really did like Mac, Mac Jones coming out We can debate Whether he should start week one But he do, he can learn from Cam Newton If he isn't ready and obviously, the Patriots, they signed Hunter Henry, they signed Johnny Smith. They've obviously made upgrading their receiving core, or I guess receiving slash tight end core, a priority, as now, you know, the rumors, could they go after Julio? But I think Mac Jones at 15, solid value, and uh, again, I think learning from Cam Newton, even if Mac Jones does start right away, I think learning from Cam Newton could be very beneficial to his development, even if they're really to- two totally different players.
1: I think Bill Belichick um, has come into this off season kind of with like a vengeance, and with his spending spree. And I think he's, you know, signed a lot of of he paid some tight ends, he paid Matthew Judon. And I wasn't a huge fan of all the signings he made, but he this team definitely improved significantly. And you look at this draft, and I think it complements.
0: I thought they had a great memory. draft, even outside of Matthew Ronnie Perkins. I, uh, Ronnie Perkins was one of my favorite picks in the entire draft. Getting Ronnie Perkins in late, late, late third round, I thought was fantastic value. He was a guy that was a very fast riser, and it was looking like he possibly could have gone near the top of the second round. So I thought Ronnie Perkins, one of the better value picks in the entire draft. I mean, I, I, for me, it's tough to I can't really praise that pick enough. So I thought incredible value there with the Perkins pick uh, in the third round.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I give, them, I give the Patriots a solid A for this draft. I think Mac Jones is a guy who's going to be able to come in immediately and provide an upgrade over Cam Newton in, in, in you know, assess throwing the football. He's not quite the athlete, but he can run kind of the short passing game that Tom Brady was able to do. Maybe not the same kind of, you know, Intellect that Tom Brady. So, was no, no. So
0: Shy says Nico Collins will be the next DeAndre Hopkins, and Mac Jones will be the next Tom Brady.
1: Alex, 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 you're putting a lot of words in my mouth today. I, I, I don't think he'll come close to being the next Tom Brady. And I,
0: I'm, am of course just messing with Shy. <laughs> yes,
1: at one of Alex's uh, favorite things to do. I. What I'm getting at is I think Mac Jones will be able to provide a similar sense in the fact that he can kind of read defenses, he can be able to diagnose quickly and make good decisions. And I think the experiment with Cam Newton and the you know, the read option, you know, run game offense, it was it failed. And I think the Patriots recognized that and and they drafted a quarterback who can come in and start and have him compete because that's what Bill Belichick wants to do. That's what they want to do in New England. They want to compete. And I think Mac Jones gives them an excellent chance to do that, arguably the second-best day-one starter in this class. And then you go and you get Christian Barmore and Ronnie Perkins, guys who are going to come in and make huge impacts on the defensive line day one, as, long, as well as a guy uh, by the name of Cameron Regrone, linebacker out of michigan in the fifth round who i think if not for injuries could have been second or early first round pick this year he when he's on the field is phenomenal so i really do love what the patriots did and i think this is going to be a team that competes for a playoff spot or potentially even earns the seventh seed this year um I, i really do like what they did
0: and just last thought on Mac Jones before we move on. You said, you know, he might not have the athletic ability, which he doesn't, but I do think he can move within the pocket enough to, you know, step up, avoid the rusher, you know, while keeping his eyes downfield and uh and still making plays, you know, even if maybe there's stuff going on around him. I think he has a good feel of where the pressure is coming from, which obviously is huge and usually take and usually for most quarterbacks takes years to develop. So let's go to another AFC East team that had multiple first round picks, and that being the Miami Dolphins. And I thought they had rather they had a solid draft. Um they obviously sixth overall, they took Jalen Waddle. I was a bigger Devontae Smith fan than Waddle. You obviously know how I feel about them passing on Penny Sewell. I really think this pick should have been used on Sewell. I think Sewell is a generational type prospect and I don't think maybe with the exception of quarterback probably with the exception of quarterback, I don't think there's a position that's more valuable than offensive tackle. With that being said, I think getting Liam Eichenberg at uh forty two, I believe, uh was tremendous was very good value. And I think he can play right away and make an impact. So I thought the Dolphins had a really solid draft. Uh the Jalen Phillips pick I think could end up being a steal Phillips, you know, some people thought he had, he could have been the best defensive player in the draft, period. He obviously had a ton of concussions. He actually medically retired from football, from UCLA, before before coming back and transferring to Miami. So obviously there's a lot of risk there. But again, getting him at 18 when he potentially could have been a top 7-10 to 10 pick, uh, I, it seems like that's kind of worth the risk if you're the Dolphins. And uh so again I think the Waddle pick was okay. I'm not super high on it. Uh but I thought kinda the Eichenberg pick in the second round along with the Phillips pick at eighteen overall, uh was two really good picks that I'm I'm very high on.
1: Yeah. I'm a big fan of the Dolphins class. Um I think you know, these AFC East teams, in my opinion, for the most part hit out of the park with their draft classes. Um I think Waddle. Although I think uh, offensive line, you know Penaysool, maybe should have been the pick here, and I, I don't disagree. I don't mind them taking a receiver. Um, I think it's one of the those things where the value of the position and and the talent of Soul, you know, would probably make me lean him. But I think the fact that their biggest need—I know you don't always draft for need but it is a receiver, and and then you could be asking yourself, well, why not Devontae Smith? I think Jalen Waddle provides that speed. He provides kind of uh, more of that kind of go-up-and-get-it ability that I think Smith might not. I think it, it, they're both really, really good players. I'm not, I don't love the Jalen Waddle pick, but I'm not as um, against it as you are. Love the Jalen Phillips pick. I do, you know, I'm much higher than many people are on the Javon Holland pick.
0: Yeah, the second round. I wasn't a huge fan. Again, just factory and positional value. Safety isn't a terribly not that value of a position. Uh, so I would have liked to see them, you know, possibly if they were set on Holland, maybe trade back or take a player a more premium position. But again, the Eichenberg pick, they trade up for Eichenberg. I absolutely love that pick. So little, I was kind of lower on the Waddle pick, mainly because. Sewell was still available. I was lower on the Holland pick, but both the Phillips pick and Eichenberg, I'm very high on.
1: Yeah, I, and I think the Dolphins were in a position where their roster is so. What were you saying, Alex? Sorry, I I, I missed you there. Oh no,
0: go go ahead, go ahead.
1: Okay, I I just I think uh, the Dolphins were in a position where their roster is kind of filled with such a good young core where they could have really drafted with the, what they thought were the best players available. And when you look down this list, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips, Javon Hong, Liam Eichenberg, Hunter Long.
0: Another know, really solid pick in Long.
1: Yeah, you, you're getting you know guys that are, that are potentially going to be starters for you um, replacing significant stat, snaps from day one. And I, I think with a team that has a young core that is looking to compete... I, I really do like all the picks that they made here and they're they this is gonna be a team I think that's gonna make the playoffs this year and this draft class thing is gonna be a big reason why.
0: So now to move on the final team, the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills, as I really like what they did in the first two rounds, going back to back edge rushers. Gregor Rousseau, I mean, I understood if you didn't like him as a top fifteen or sixteen pick, but Getting him at 30 I thought was really good value, especially you can line him up inside, outside. He has the length and I think a lot of talent to be successful. And then Carlos Basham back into the second. He's a guy who I really thought should have been more of a top 15 pick in the second round. Uh, So again, I thought two guys, really uh, high potential guys. They got Espineza as well. And I think kinda you have a lot of talent now at those edge rusher positions which you just didn't have before. So I really like what the Bills did. Rousseau and um Rousseau and Basham. And again, I think people got so low. I think Rousseau maybe started off a little overrated, but then I think everyone caught up so much that he almost became underrated. So I think getting him at thirty was actually really solid value for Buffalo and Brandon Bean. I yeah.
1: I think the, those two names, Rousseau and Basham, are the, are the names that headline this draft class. And I think it's no secret that Buffalo needed some help um, in the pass rush department. And I think you Rousseau and Basham, I'm a little worried you got more developmental guys and our guys are going to help you win right away, which is okay. You know, Jerry Hughes is there. Um, I believe Mario Addison is there as well. They, they've they've got guys there who are capable of getting the job done. It's not like the Bills have a bad, had a bad pass rush last year. It's just it was not a, a particular strength of theirs. It was serviceable. It was solid. It wasn't a strength. They're they're inserting they're inserting talent. They're inserting massive amounts of potential, especially with Gregory. Um and I think it makes sense. Um, pick thirty. I think it's a good, it's a good time to take a shot, um, on a raw guy, a guy who's not, is not as developed technically and got a lot of the sacks coming from the inside. But I think to kind of have him not, you know, doesn't have to play a lot. One the pressure on him can, you can move him around, have flexibility with both of these guys. I think you're going to allow them to thrive and develop well. Um, so I, I, I really do like both of these picks. Um, For Buffalo.
0: So now let's move on. AFC West time. We're going to start off with the Denver Broncos. I really like the Patrick Sertan pick. You know, they've completely remade their secondary, but, you know, Fuller's on a one year deal. Darby, in my mind, is more of a second or third corner on a team. I think Sertan, he's NFL ready. I think he can step in right away. He might have some trouble with more speedy guys. But I like the physicality that he brings. And I think Vic Fangio, I think, is going to be able to get the best out of him on that Denver D. And I think uh, Sertan can, can be a number one corner, even pretty early in his NFL career.
1: I I think the Broncos were an interesting spot here. Because their secondary is very solid, even with the addition well, of Sertan.
0: It, was, it, was, it, was, well, it was solid, but it was also a weakness before they signed Darby and Fuller, and was only on a one-year deal.
1: I I think that's true, but with a team that has some, you know, arguably more pressing positions, um, they could have potentially could have taken Rashawn Slater, um, you know, getting some help on the offensive line. They could have potentially gone with Micah Parsons. I think this would I have been a good I think corner, pick corner in
0: my mind, is a more, are more valuable position than linebacker, though. That's the ar- that's, that's the argument almost against right, Parsons. That's right, but when you look
1: at the linebacking core, especially on the inside for Denver, it's It can use improvements.
0: weak. It can de- at the same time, I don't think you can ever have too many corners, and I think Sertan was one of, if not the best players available. So I I don't mind this pick at all from Denver. I, I liked it.
1: I don't I don't mind the pick. I don't mind the pick. I just, it's not something that I was particularly expecting given that, given, you know, the fact that they had spent such a, a focus in free agency, improving the secondary, um, which I didn't think was awful to begin with last year. They had some guys, you know, who struggled, but we're also developing such as Michael Jamudia Um, so I, I don't, I don't mind the Sertan pick at all. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the Javante Williams pick in the
0: second round, to be honest with you, Alex. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I didn't love the Williams pick. I liked Denver's draft, though, overall. Miners, Quinn Miners in the third round, I thought was, you know, okay, solid pick. And then uh, getting the Ohio State defenders and Baron Browning and Jonathan Cooper. Cooper in the seventh, I really liked. Uh, So I I thought Denver had a really solid draft overall. Maybe nothing flashy, but overall, just really solid, got you know, really some nice value throughout. Yeah. And one
1: one pick I do wanna highlight quickly before we move on in Denver side was Jamar Johnson out of Indiana. I think um, very underrated uh safety um, was one of the key factors in shutting down uh Justin Fields. He just has, you know, really good instincts, uh good eyes, good recognition and I I maybe a guy who isn't gonna start right away. But I think in the fifth round, it's very good value.
0: Now let's move on the Los Angeles Chargers. We finally get to talk about Rashawn Slater. I feel like we've already talked about him so much, uh, about teams that passed on him. We finally get to talk about the team that actually made the selection and turned the card in with his name on it. Uh, obviously, Shy and I both really love the Slater pick. I love what they did really in the first two to three rounds. You know, you you kind of uh, know our views about Asante Samuel getting him at what forty seven. I thought was great value. You know, especially you cut you parted ways with Casey Hayward. You know, Chris Harris I believe is in a contract year. A lot of questions looming in that cornerback room and the secondary as a whole, with Derwin James and his inability to stay on the field. I loved the Samuel pick, and then even Josh Palmer in the third. I think he can be a really nice complimentary receiver uh, to, a, to obviously, a receiving core that has some nice pieces already, led by Keenan Allen, and I just really like the Chargers draft as a whole. Even a guy like Chris Rumpf, the second out of Duke, I think can you'll know, be a nice rotational piece for them along uh, the defensive line, especially with Melvin Ingram uh, expected to, uh, to depart as he's in talks with the Miami Dolphins. So I really like the Chargers draft overall, but really starting at the top with both Slater and Asante Samuel Jr.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think these were two of my favorite players, Slater and Asante Samuel Jr. were. Um, I think Samuel provides, as we were talking a little bit earlier, he provides great technique. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. Very physical and, and, and scrappy. Very good ball skills. Um, and I was a little puzzled that you know they let they let Chris Harris go, Chris Harris Jr. go, but I think Chris Harris or Casey Hayward. Like his... Sorry, you you cut out for me. No, so I
0: Uh, I know. Did they? All, I could be misremembered. Did they get rid of Casey Hayward? I knew they got. I mean, did they get rid of Chris Harris? Because I know they got rid of Casey Hayward.
1: Oh, I may. I may. Oh, I, I. I think you're right. I may. I think I mixed. I mixed the two up. Yeah. I think I meant sorry, I misspoke. Casey Hayward, yes. Um I think I think it's it, it's it's a very good fit though Vasante Samuel Jr. at corner. Um and I think Rashawn Slater just is the missing piece. They made an emphasis on developing the offensive line with Matt Filer.
0: Corey Lindsey obviously.
1: Um, and of course Corey Lindsley at center and then to get that tackle to really you know, he can play anywhere in the line but I think they've solidified the interior. Now you solidify the tackle spot with Rashawn Slater at Northwestern. Uh, one
0: I think of Northwestern. One of their biggest, probably their biggest weakness, slowly but surely turning into a bigger strength. Maybe not a a huge strength, but that offensive line is quickly coming around and we can kind of see their development before our very eyes. Good job by Tom Telesco in that front office.
1: Yeah, I think this Chargers team is going to be competing this year, I don't know how they'll stay in the playoff race, but I think once they sort of address the, the few needs they have left on the defensive side of the ball, they will be in very good shape, Alex, especially once Justin Herbert gets a, gets a little bit more uh, under under a little more playing time under his belt. This team is going to compete with Kansas City Alex, once that happens.
0: MVP question mark for Herbert this year We'll find out. So, let's now go to Las Vegas, as they had—they they surprised us all. I, I liked Leatherwood. I want to say that. I, I was a bigger Alex Leatherwood fan, not just because both of her names are Alex, but I was a bigger Alex Leatherwood fan than most. But even Seventeen was too rich for my blood. They kind of dismantled their entire offensive line. They, got, they traded Trent Brown to the Patriots— they got rid of Roddy Hudson. He's now with the Cardinals, and then they kind of reach on Leatherwood. And again, like you know, good for Mike Mayock not caring for anyone for what anyone else thinks. GM should not care what the outside perspective is, but this was definitely high, and I would have loved to see the Raiders trade back five picks or so, six picks in that you know early to mid twenties range. And I think that would have been a lot more of an appropriate spot for Leatherwood. I thought he was more of a later first-round pick to early second-round pick, so I think mid-first was too rich for my blood, but I I also want to say I was a bigger Leatherwood fan than most heading into draft night.
1: Yeah, I think this would have been high um, even without Leatherwood's performance at the Senior Bowl because I think that's really what drove at least me and most people away from him is the fact that he was getting beat by players who were not considered first-round edge talents. Um, And that's obviously something that you don't want to happen. So I think I wouldn't have been—I think his tape at Alabama is still very nice. He shows the technique. I would still like to see them trade back and and get him in at least the— probably preferably in in the uh, 30s or so or or late 20s. I, I definitely think this is one of the bigger reaches of the draft. However, on the bright side, I do really like the two safeties they drafted. Uh, well they just, drafted three safeties. But the, the, I didn't, they I didn't need,
0: Yeah. My problem, I thought the value was okay, but I again like they didn't need a safety and you don't really draft for need, but they didn't need a safety. And then also, safety is not a valuable position. I thought they I thought there were guys where value met where value met need at, pre, at more premium positions. And I didn't, they didn't take advantage. I didn't, I thought the the Morag pick fine. I thought that was a good pick. But doubling down and then what, tripling down in safety, I just did not really like this Raiders draft as a whole.
1: Yeah, I agree. I wasn't a big fan of the Raiders draft, but I do think safety was a need. I think Morag was a fine pick. And I think, you know, Tyree Gillespie in the fourth round was also a very good pick. I think they could have used two starters at safety, two upgrades at safety.
0: Well, it depends if Jonathan Abram can can stay healthy.
1: Yes, I I think that's correct, and I I I just like the Tyree Gillespie pick as a as a value pick um, out of Missouri. Uh, but other than that, I do think that this this Raiders draft class was relatively weak. Um, I'm not a fan of of the Leatherwood pick, and I'm I, I like two safeties they drafted, but as you mentioned, safety is not a super valuable position. Um, I would have liked to see the, the Raiders improve more, especially on the defensive side of the ball.
0: So now let's let's wrap up the AFC West with the Kansas City Chiefs. For a team that did not have a first round pick, I really really loved their draft. Nick Bolton and Creed Humphrey back in the second. Two great value picks, especially with Humphrey, a guy who I thought could have gone more towards the mid or even early second, and, you know, the Chiefs having to kind of retool their entire offensive line. Great pick with Humphrey. He can play right away. Bolton can play right away, too. Another guy who I thought could have seen his name called earlier on day two, and then Trey Smith in the sixth round. Trey Smith in the sixth round, the guard out of Tennessee, for me, was the steal of the draft. I thought this was a guy who could have gone uh, round three, maybe even hear his name called, the big, the very end of round two. But I thought this was more of a, a third round pick. He had some blood clots that kind of that probably obviously raised multiple red flags. But getting him in the sixth round, again, another guy who I think can make a really nice impact for the Chiefs valuable position offensive line, although not as valuable as offensive tackle. And again, Chiefs doing an incredible job of retooling their offensive line. And their first round pick was basically Orlando Brown Jr. from Baltimore, which obviously is very uh is a pretty good pick if you know that if that's how we're comparing these things. So I thought the Chiefs had a great draft.
1: Yeah, I was a fan of the of the Chiefs draft as well. I'll agree with you, Trey Smith and six is a phenomenal pick. Creed Humphrey, I think at the bottom of the second, was also phenomenal. I have no earthly idea how he was there, but that's also one of the deals in the draft. He's going to come in, um, whether they want to play in at center or guard, he's going to come in immediately make a big impact both the running game and the passing game as a day-one starter. Nick Bolton, I think they could, uh, could have used an infusion of youth in that linebacking core. Um, and he arguably could have been one of the better defensive players available. So I, again, I think those three players really uh, do it for me. There, there's still holes on the Kansas City defense, and a good number of them, in my opinion. But you've had to address the offensive line. You mentioned that Orlando Bland was essentially their first round pick, so you can't be upset with what the Chiefs did here.
0: So now let's go to the final division. Let's start off with the Cleveland Browns. I thought they had a really nice draft. The Greg Newsom pick, I thought it was a solid pick. I, some people were saying it was this great steal. I didn't see it that way, but I still thought it was a solid pick. What was a great steal was Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. You know, in the back end, not back, complete back end, but back half, I should say, of the second round. I thought that was one of the steals of the draft. And then even getting, like, anthony schwartz in the third james hudson in the fourth i thought was very good value and then dimitri felton in the sixth dimitri felton he's kind of a he's a receiver but he was a running back in college already a really solid route runner he was one of my favorite players favorite day three players in this draft so getting him in the sixth round i thought was really good value a guy you can kind of a chess piece move all over so the browns kind of from top to bottom I I just thought had a rock solid and just a really nice draft all all around
1: you Now I hate saying this as a Steelers fan but I think this is the best draft it's just it's just the, my favorite draft the Browns have improved so much this off season. I feel like we always say that but now
0: well before I, the bar wasn't very high
1: <laughs> no no, but the last couple seasons they have really done a phenomenal job, and Greg Newsom I think is a very good pick. Um, I pick twenty six. He's going to come in there um, along with you know he'll play in the number two corner. He won't be asked to play number one. He'll play on the other side of Denzel Ward, and you know, they signed Troy Hill to play in the slot. They they signed John Johnson uh, the third. From you know another Ram to play safety, another very underrated player. This secondary, the Greedy Williams should be back. Grant Delpit um, should, should be back.
0: The secondary the is suddenly run. looking really, really strong.
1: Exactly, and then you add you know one of their other needs being linebacker JOK, uh, you know to pair with you know Mac Wilson and uh, Anthony Walker, who they signed in the free agency. This is a very strong defense. Uh, especially I as mean, they also added Jadavion Clowney and Tack McKinley on the edge I think those two picks really hit home for me uh, they really scare me as a Steelers fan and I think they're going to have one of the best defenses and best teams in the NFL, Alex
0: This team is definitely one of the most well-rounded and they still have a lot of resources if they do want to go and make a trade or sign one of the you know, maybe the, one of those last-tier free agents They. Great job by Andrew Barron just in in terms of allocating his resources to the right players at the right positions. So, Shai, let's now go to the Baltimore Ravens as a team that always drafts well. Obviously, two first-round picks, Rashad Bateman, Odafe, Odafe, Owe. um, Two, I thought, solid value, and I thought the Bateman was really good value. I thought the Owe was solid value, a guy who has all the traits still kind of unlocked great against the run obviously I don't pay too much attention to the zero sacks because I think the if he's put in the right position I think he can really thrive I think my favorite pick from the Ravens draft class though was Sean Wade a guy who was considered a first round pick a year ago absolutely terrible dreadful year at Ohio State now you know goes to Baltimore in the fifth round you know, If Baltimore moves him back into the slot, which they have the luxury of doing with an already elite cornerback room, I think Wade can look more like he did at Ohio State two years ago, where he was considered a first-round pick.
1: Yeah, I think that... I, I look up and down this Ravens draft class, and being a Steelers fan, this is very hard for me. They got so much better. Up and down the class, it's loaded with value picks and best players available, I like the Rashad Bateman pick a lot. Um, Odafe Owe, I think, is a guy who I, I'm high on the pick. I think he's quite good. I would have liked them, you know, to take an Aziz Ojolari here, someone who's a little bit more technically refined, who would help them win right away, because they do have that needed edge rusher after losing both Yannick Ngakwe and Matt Junon in free agency. But... You know, when you look down this draft class, Ben Cleveland, Tylen Wallace, Sean Wade, uh, Darian Hayes, and Notre Dame.
0: Another just really good, fundamentally and technically sound draft class from top to bottom, filling valuable positions, uh, getting depth where it's needed, even if it might not be an obvious need. So, again, just really another really good draft class from the AFC North. So, shy. now let's move to the Cincinnati Bengals, and you know I have strong feelings about this pick. You took a receiver over a generational offensive tackle when your quarterback got beat up every single play. I like Jamar Chase. I think he's going to be a really good player at the NFL level, and I'm excited to see what he can do, especially reuniting with Joe Burrow. But just like I said it with the Miami Dolphins earlier in the episode, how do you pass on Pene Sewell? In my mind, he's a generational offensive tackle prospect. Offensive tackle, in my mind, is the second most valuable position in the NFL. Yes, receivers becoming more and more of a valuable position, especially as we progress into a more pass-happy league, and I understand that. But offensive tackle... We could be, the running game could be completely abandoned, and offensive tackle, in my mind, would still be the second most viable position in the NFL. You don't, you use high picks like premium assets, premium resources on premium positions, and again, with quarterback being the exception, it doesn't get that much premium than offensive tackle. We've seen you can find really good receivers in on day two. We've seen that with DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. We've seen that with just so many other players. Stefan Diggs is a prime example of that. Adam Thielen was undrafted and I know you can find examples at just about every position, but it's much more difficult to find a posi- to find an example of offensive tackle of a great offensive tackle. In the later rounds or in the mid rounds than receiver, the bust rate also there's just a higher bust rate on receivers, and I don't even think Chase will be a bust. But I think the Bengals made a huge mistake by bypassing on a generational offensive tackle prospect. And in case we didn't in case we need reassurance, we saw how the Lions reacted when he fell into their laps. And Cincy and Miami allow that to happen, and I think they're and I think they both made a mistake. And I, I especially think Cincy they might pay the price. I feel like it's easier to kind of find a group of receivers and piece together a receiving quarter than piece together an offensive line. You just don't you just don't see that happen in the NFL. And I'm wondering if Joe Burrow and the Bengals are going to end up paying the price because I think they will sooner or later.
1: Yeah, Alex. All I want to say is I love this pick. I think, you know, I've seen two of, you know, my division rivals knock it out of the park. And as a Steelers fan, it makes me very happy.
0: So as a Steelers fan, you love the pick, which is not a good thing if you're the Cincinnati Bengals.
1: No, no, it's a terrible pick. No, it's not a good pick at all. But, but, but as a Steelers fan, it makes you very happy. Because I know when we play them, Joe Burrow is going to be on his butt for ninety percent of the game.
0: Wait, what? Will he even be in the game when you play them? If he, unless That's you, the better. unless you play in Week One, who knows? He's gonna have no time to throw. You can't complain it to Jamar Chase if he's on his back and tearing every ligament in his leg again.
1: I I think you're absolutely right. Look, the difference between the Dolphins and the Bengals situation is. The Dolphins' offensive line was solid last year. They had other needs that could potentially have filled. The Bengals not only was offensive line circled, highlighted their biggest need. Not you know not only it's was one Penny of the school,
0: worst. It man. was one of the biggest needs across the NFL, let alone the It's You know it was one of the most obvious areas of weakness on any team across the entire league. This should have been a foregone conclusion. Penny... It, Penny move to the Bengals should have been just as much of a foregone conclusion as Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars.
1: I I think you're absolutely right, and I I I, I it's it's in Jamar Chase is is a is a great talent. I see why they did it. But He's a it's very just, good it, player. It, it's a bit of a head scratcher.
0: I will, and then the second round, they trade back. No Tevin Jenkins. Although I think Chicago may have traded up ahead of them, but then they bypass Liam Eikenberg, and they take Jackson Carmen, who's a developmental prospect, who they even said they're moving a guard. So there's still a huge hole at tackle. I also think if they took... Even if Rashawn Slater... I would have even been okay with Rashawn Slater.
1: That would have been a fine pick. But that would have been they, a very solid pick.
0: If they had taken Sour Slater at five, Jonah Williams, who's been up and down, he can move to right tackle, which takes some pressure off him. And all of a sudden... I think a combination of Sewell and Williams or Slater and Williams is a solid duo. I actually think that's a pretty good tackle duo. And now you're starting to build something along your offensive line. I know it would, not have, I know it would not have been a sexy pick, but it would have been the right pick and since he messed it up.
1: Are, are you saying that Riley Reef isn't the answer at left tackle?
0: I am saying that, believe it or not. I know it's a little bit of a shocker, Shy. I, I know you know, that take me a blindsided you. But Riley Reef is not the answer for one year, let alone the future. This is, how, ah. this is how quarterbacks get ruined. And we don't even have to go back in time that far. Look at Andrew Luck. He had to retire at, what, 29? Because of all the hits he took. David Carr was a complete bust because Houston failed to protect him. Joe Burrow is incredibly talented, and there were tons of incredibly positive signs last year. But you are going to ruin the young man if you fail to protect him, and so far since he has done everything in their power to not protect him, it is unbelievable, and they completely mismanaged the first two rounds of this draft.
1: Yeah, I can't. I can't uh, argue against you there. We're in agreement. The pick, I, the one pick I really liked from them was, was Josiah.
0: That's why I said that. That's why I said they mismanaged the first two rounds because they actually did really, really like the Osai pick, since he had the potential to have an A to A plus draft, and they blew it, and it was in their power, and they let it slip away. But I did really like the Osai pick. Give credit where credit is due. I, Osai, top of the third, very good value.
1: Absolutely. I. Osai is one of, my, one of my draft crushes coming out. I think I, I thought he should have been a, a second-round pick for sure. Um, but I think to get him um, at, at the top of the third was really good value. But other than that, I'm
0: Tyler Shelvin uh, I'll give the Tyler Shelvin the fourth. Again, positional value, not great, but I'll give it to them. Tyler Shelvin the fourth thought was okay. I uh, thought so that was a solid pick. But Trey
1: uh, Hill in the sixth wasn't bad. It's
0: tough to look back, though through their first two picks knowing they could have come out as one of the winners and instead they're probably one of the losers. So we're
1: in agreement there. Let's uh let's move on Alex. So let's wrap, saving-
0: let's wrap up the AFC with your Pittsburgh Steelers. I know I've kind of let off with their with teams picks, but I know you obviously as a Steelers fan and as an NFL fan, have strong thoughts on your team taking a running back? We know how you felt about the Jaguars doing so. What were your thoughts on your team taking a running back over some pretty good offensive tackles on the board? If I do, if I do say so myself.
1: Yeah. Uh, do you remember? You know, you were we were on the Zoom, Alex. Do you remember the adjective that I used to describe my my? you know, my state of mind at that time. Do you remember?
0: I, I do not remember, but I remember you weren't you weren't the happiest man alive. I, I remember that much.
1: I was sick, Alex. Sick. That's that that is the, the word I used. And i I feel bad saying this because I'm Najee Hair is such a great player. It's just that not only Alex does he not play offensive line not only does he not play corner or linebacker or any really position, you know, that's more valuable than running back, he plays running back. He, he I,
0: plays the At least he took a no. tight at least he took a tight end in the second round.
1: I know. Yeah, They took the two most the two least valuable positions in football in the first two rounds. And they're both very good players. Pat Firemouth is probably the second best tight in the draft. Najee Harris, I think, was my top running back in the draft. But this is a team that needed offensive line help badly. A team that could have used a corner. A team that could have, you know, taken, you know, basically any other position
0: and I would been I even, been happy I even think like I know Hyatt Smith showed signs, but even like an OG Laurie, I think it. Twenty four would have been a really nice pick for you guys. Yeah, no, Absolutely. I'm with you. I think, I think Harris is gonna be a good player for you guys. But that offensive line has been a staple of your team for years, and really for the better part of the last decade, it's been one of the best in the NFL. And I remember we would you would always brag to me about it. When now it's old. A lot of those pieces are either have moved on, whether that's retirement or free agency or whatever it is. And you want to upgrade that offensive line before it gets ugly. And I think Pittsburgh had the had a great chance to do that. And, and just like since he, they bypassed on they bypassed that opportunity. Now they didn't pass on a guy like a Penny caliber. But guys like Tevin Jenkins, I don't think many people expected him to be available when Pittsburgh was picking. Uh, I like Eichenberg, I think he would have been an okay pick, as I said. I think Oju Lari, you know, with Bud Dupree's departure, I think he would have been a really nice pick there for you guys at twenty four. And it also seemed like Pittsburgh almost had made up their minds before, like picks before it was almost going into that day. And almost like it was, you know, like draft day. Whereas what Vontez Mac, no ma- Vonte Mac, no matter what. I feel like that's what Mike Tomlin wrote: Najee Harris, no matter what. And that's just a terrible mindset to bring in, and I think it backfired and. Again, if tight end, I think it's more like Pitts. I think it's going to be, should be a solid, you know, not the most valuable. But he's still going to be valuable because of he is a generational talent at that position. And it is a pass-happy league. But I definitely think in the second round, I think there was better, more premium position where value was there than Pat Fryermuth. So I'm with you on both those picks. Solid value, but not eye-popping value. You know, it's not like... You had to have those guys at those spots. And again, two positions that are nowhere near the most valuable in today's NFL.
1: And one of the problems I have with running back is they have a, not only are they replaceable, which we have seen, but they have kind of a half-life of every other position. You know, I think the Steelers would be lucky if, not, if Najee Harris is, you know, still the starter in producing at a high level. I think he will produce at a high level. I think he could easily win offensive rookie of the year this year. But will he still beat the starter producing at that level at the end of his rookie contract? I don't know. I think that's a tough bet to make, Alex. And, you know, they did address offensive line a little bit in the third and fourth round of Kendrick Green out of Illinois. I thought that was a solid pick. uh, Kind of has a nasty streak. Plays, you know, very aggressive and hopefully could jumpstart their run game. Dan Moore is not going to get a lot of playing time. But it's too little too late, Alex. And I'm just hoping that addressing these skill positions are, are gonna make some sort of difference. I think Najee Harris in terms of solving the Pittsburgh run game is good is gonna be it's gonna be better because it can only get it can't really get any worse. It literally can't. <laughs> but oh. I think you're expecting Najee Harris to give you four yards of carry, consistently take hits behind a bad offensive line. I think it's a lot to expect, and it it concerns me not only for Najee, but for the Steelers' offense next year.
0: I also think, like, even an overall running game is less important, but still, a running game is more important than a running back. And I feel like if you have a good offensive line, especially the interior offensive line, your running game can be better than that single running back. And with the Steelers taking a running back, and yes, they took Kendrick Green, but still a lot of holes and a lot of uncertainty along that offensive line. This could be a situation where the running back is better than the running game. And I think a perfect example was with the Giants. Saquon was a great running back, very talented, but the offensive line stunk early on, so he stunk. When Gallman gets in there, the running the offensive line got better, some guys improved throughout the year, and the Giants' running game got better is a way better running back than Wayne Gallman. But throughout the year, the running game got better. And I think that's something where the Steelers, the running back, I think, is very talented. But I think there's going to be a lot of questions about the overall running game of the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: And you know what I think summarizes this pick? When you said you said Saquon Barkley was, I think we should think think about that a little bit.
0: Saquon Barkley, awesome. Saquon, every, every team that is contemplating taking a right back in the first round should just think about the Giants taking Saquon. He's a, I feel like he's the perfect cautionary tale.
1: Yeah, I, I him agree and Girlie. I,
0: Girlie's another Gurley's the one for contracts. Gurley's the one for contracts. Think about Barkley when it comes to drafting. Think about Gurley when you're about to pay a running back a big contract. Those are like the perfectly cautionary tales to the rest of the NFL.
1: I think it's fair. I think the Steelers had a nice, had a, had a good. You know, they got picked up a lot of talent. Just, it's just one of the areas where it's almost like draft for need a little bit more, uh, and 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 focus on. You know, you know, the, it it feels like the Steelers kind of threw need out the window and said, you know, you know, they had that kind of fixed mindset coming in. The one pick I will I will shout out for Pittsburgh. Um, is the Quincy Roche pick in the sixth round. It's I thought that was my, a
0: great pick. I really, that, that, I thought that was a very good pick, uh, very good value, and uh, I'll give very good pick. That was probably the highlight of their draft. Yeah,
1: that that's not where you want the highlight of your draft to come in well, the sixth round.
0: Well I, don't, well, no, well, I do think, though, even if they'd taken a Tevin Jenkins in the first, I even still think the highlight may have been Quincy Roche, just because I think that was probably would have been the best value pick even if they took a Tevin Jenkins or eichenberg or OJ Laurie at 24. Uh but I'm with that's you fair. that that one stood out like by far as the best pick.
1: That's the only pick that really made me happy
0: after that draft. <laughs> yeah, it should have made you happy. Again, I thought that was a very good pick. So, that's going to do it for the AFC draft recap. We hope you enjoyed our Breakdown of every single team in the AFC and what we thought of their respective draft classes. Make sure to look out now for our NFC draft class where you get to hear me have a. I had a very roller coaster night about my Giants. Uh, there were sometimes I was running around the house, you know, crying of happiness, and sometimes I was running around the ra- running around the house just for crying because I was pissed. So, you'll get you'll hear that along with every team in the NFC and when we thought of their respective draft classes. We hope you enjoyed this edition of NFL Game Time Podcast, and we'll see you next time.